how many mics do we? Government, the other day, I write it away, write it away. Pokey on the mic like an old batch of college. My mind can't remember how many asteroids are still at heart, and no one's from the old school. This is the same old new school. I am one of your hosts, Idris Goodwin. And I'm Kevin Cole. And you know what we do. We get together. We talk about the week in hip-hop and related events. We talk about albums. We talk about politics. We talk about the word on the internets and everything else in between. Yeah, man. And uh, if you want to stay in tune with what we're up to, you can follow us on socials as well. IG is same old new school. And also just shout out Vocal Low Radio. Uh, shout out super producer Justin Mayer. And thank you all for tuning in. We are we've transferred over to the radio airwaves 91.1. And you hear us every Saturday, but also tune into the podcast that comes out and streams in every available streaming service. I think this is streaming directly to the moon and back. And uh, you know, thank you for thank you for tuning in, Idris. It's been a big week for the culture, huge and, week for the culture. And um, I think we're going to start today with a phenomenon that has happened in shelter. We we've talked yeah. a lot about 2020 being a horrible year for the world, but a great year for music. And yep. at the very um, least, <laughs> one of one of the most spectacular things to have happened is the ingenious platform of of verses um, yeah and, yeah and, swiss and beats course, shout out swiss beats and timberland man timberland the ogs not and, only were they like the soundtrack to like the late 90s through the aughts you know they could just be chilling and doing nothing right and they came together and gave us this gift this platform to just actually just revive people's discographies really i mean really right an artist from from all eras, but that era kind of even specifically, right? The era that they kind of reigned in, you know, which makes sense. I think that there is like a twenty year cyclical like comeback, you know, where where what was you know popping twenty years ago kind of comes back in fashion. It, essentially, because the you know parents put on for their kids mm-hmm. what they used to listen to exactly and so i I think like people now have that sound of the late 90s early aughts like yeah i've I've heard a lot of people talk about ja rule right that like at the time of ja rule like the hip-hop heads you know were like kind of fronting on the sound you know all the songs he did with shanti and stuff but uh they're saying that now you know now when those 30 somethings 40 somethings go out and those records come on they're like oh this is my joint because you get taken back to that time and so yeah like we're, we're sort of seeing this uh resurgence of i mean like the dmx episode for example right like how how epic was that dmx versus snoop and those tracks sounded really good actually <laughs> like, yeah no you know really good i mean you know brought brought back nelly brought you know brought yeah, back yeah. a lot of people to you know through this platform and so you know of course this uh, past week we saw almost two million people tune yep. in yeah. to Jeezy versus Gucci yeah uh, you know the South ATL was very much in the building it was a historic event for a lot of reasons and I think before we even talk about the event itself just the, the spectacle of it, you know, even before they came out. And they, of course, you know, it was not a shock to anyone that they were, you know, late into the room and a miracle that they even came to the room for, for a lot of reasons, you know, some of which got yeah. played out on stage. But just yeah. even the spectacle of the space, I think, is very beautiful and very becoming of the reverence that I think, you know, Timberland and Swiss have for the makers, the producers, the creators of this culture. I mean, there were literal thrones yeah. um, on a stage and 
it just even to look at before they came out, I thought was pretty telling and, pre- and, and pretty wonderful to look at. They come a long way too, man. Because I just think about the first. I, I remember the RZA premiere battle, which is when we started this show. Yes, right. That's and there right. were tons of technical issues, and I mean, this one too was really interesting. I mean, I don't know about your social media feed, but like, I was not sure if I was even going to watch it because, like, I know Jeezy and Gucci are, are hugely important. I mean, you know, for me, they were the sound of the Obama era, like. Like Jeezy, Gucci, Jay Z, you know, like these were the voices of that era. And, uh, but I was like, yeah, maybe I'll check it out. I was like, I don't think I even know that much of their music. But it was just seeing my, like, my, my social media feeds and seeing, like, my sister, like, just all these people I know just going crazy. All these black professors I know, all these black academics I know losing their mind. I was like, let me go check this out. Let me go check this out. And then, sure enough, I heard Jeezy doing a song, It's a Put On. And I'm like, oh, I know, I know this song. One of the things about this forum is you just realize how deep people's crates are, you know, how, yeah. how rich people's discography is. And it, it is powerful to see see them run, you know, a back-to-back or exchange in that way. Like, oh, you got a hit, I got a hit. You got a hit, I got a hit. And, and you do, you realize, like, because, you know, I, I think that in truth, I was a bigger Jeezy listener than I was a yeah. Gucci listener. Yeah. Although, you know, there was certainly a run of Gucci mixtapes that I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, you know, but I, I think I caught a lot more Jeezy records. And I think, I think that, I don't know, maybe it's because Jeezy also, you know, collabed and, and had that very big hit with Kanye yeah. as well that put on, which I love. And yeah. I, I just like, in some ways, that's the music I play in my head when I'm going into something, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. especially when I was on my, when I've been on like my Chicago centered book tours, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I feel, I feel like that's, I put on for my city, put on, you know what I mean? I put, like that's the shit that runs through my head when I'm going on stage in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. And just Jeezy's love of, and obviously they both love where they're from. Um, right. But I think like Jeezy had for me, a kind of poetic aesthetics that we love, like that the notion of, you know, oh, yeah. realist portraiture that, that yeah. I really hear in Jeezy's work. He, you know, it's an interesting juxtaposition, those two. And, you know, there was this, there was a lot of tension because there was like real, real beef, like real yeah. in the street, behind the scenes, you know, violence, the history there. Right. But if you listen to the music, you know, I think the interesting juxtaposition is Jeezy seems much more. And I'm going to say this, it's not to diminish Gucci's reach, obviously, because he's a global artist as well. But like Gucci sounds much more um, neighborhood. You know, it's like a very indigenous sound, whereas Jeezy, it's a higher production value. It's a bit more sort of like expansive. And so, you know, people have been asking me, it's like, who you got, Jeezy or, or Gucci? Who you think won? And I, I think Jeezy won, in my opinion, just, just records in terms of records, because I think his records just were better produced and just a bit more expansive. Though Gucci's uh, song, uh, Trap House, is an awesome song. So who, do you, who did you got, Kevin Cole? Well, one of the things that, of course, happened, and, and you're right, I mean, this yeah. is a, a relationship that has been, you know, severed for the last, you mm-hmm. know, few decades or like, and you saw at the tail end of it, you know, it kind of come to a head in some ways. And I mean, I think GZ won. And I think part of the reason why he won is because you saw him like elevate above yeah. the nonsense mm-hmm. and, you know, his 
chat at the end to mm-hmm. Gucci, but to everyone, I think was very instructive. You, you know, he elevated above, I think, like the antagonism that yeah. Gucci had just performed a song, yeah. you know, about in part violence against one yeah. of his homies, like who exactly. is not here anymore, exactly. right? And I think Jeezy could have easily taken the bait. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he's like, I'm going a, I'm to a speak to you like a man, right? Exactly. I think that was one of his refrains. Yeah. And, and it, was, it was beautiful at yeah. the end, right? He's like, yeah. he's like, I called you to offer you this olive branch. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and I think like, moment. you don't see that often. And we, we, we've talked about this before, right? I mean, this is, this is part of what the culture does. I mean, one, it takes me back to like the park jams, right? Like this is why DJs came out of the house. This is why Cool Herc and Bambada and and Grandmaster Flash, you know, brought turntables outside the house, which was to cool the tensions, you know, between the rival gangs. You know, the poppers were popping and the breakers were breaking instead of breaking each other's bones and faces, right? And, you know, what other way could these guys have reconciled other than on this platform, right? To let's play all the music. Let's remind everybody, A, that we're not that different, that we're from the same place, and that these two guys from this neighborhood have affected the world, certainly the two million people who tuned in. And the, the best part about it is that they show what it looked like. I mean, they show what it looked like to have someone come at you and antagonize you and for you to be the bigger person, Right. Via your words, right? Like, 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 because of your words, like he was able to kind of turn the situation around, and also have Gucci ultimately hear him. It seemed yeah. right. I mean, even they, like, at the end, they said, "Well, we're we're going to go out together now." Yeah, right. It really you saw in real time. I think you know reason number you know eight million why hip hop is deserving of a Nobel Peace Prize. You know, and, and like it's late coming um, yeah, because so of the ability to kind of have this conversation. And you know, we talk about this a lot. The conversation within the cipher. It's why the cipher is egalitarian. It's why it's horizontally constructed because it's like. If we have an issue, we're going to wrestle with it here. You know, we're going to wrestle with it, you know, in this communal space. Yeah. And the funk and the power of the beat, it takes you to a transcendent space. And when you're in that transcendent space, you know, you you elevate above the sort of pettiness. You know, you elevate above the, the, the negative. You know, you elevate above the past in a way and you start sort of seeing the future and it's like there can't be malice in your heart when the break beats got you open like that you know uh, so no it was it was a beautiful it was an intense complex and brilliant moment and i'm so glad that i was on my social feed at the time and saw everybody watching this gucci uh, battle and i was like let me just let me just take a look at this you know and then i was like wow this is tremendous the no. one moment that people don't talk about a lot though that i also <laughs> thought was incredible was when stacy abrams popped in towards the beginning you know, and basically he's like talking about the runoff and talking about her own brother and like, you know, just talking about, you know, which was really powerful, I thought. And they were like, we got you. We got you, Stacy. You know, um, this kind of civic responsibility. My favorite moment, though, is she's like, can you get my record erased? <laughs> oh, also amazing. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. And, and, and part of the reason why I think it's powerful to have politicians who are really in 
community or at least listening to rappers, right? Because that idea, that notion of expungement would go, you know, has, you know, and to get people re-enfranchised too, you know what I mean? Oh, you know, and you know Stacey Adams was, was driving around bumping them Gucci mixtapes. You oh, know she was. You already know. Yeah. You already know. You already know. Um, um, well, yo, yeah. this is the same old new school. I'm one of your hosts, Idris Goodwin. And I'm the other host, Kevin Cole. We just finished uh, chopping it up about uh, the Gucci Jeezy versus battle. And uh, I don't know about you, man. I'm very excited uh, for future battles. Who would you love to see that you haven't seen yet in versus battle? You know, there really is so many. Like, I would love to see. I think we've talked about it. I would love to see that, you know, finally, like the Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, you know. Um, Yo. You know, I don't know who KRS would battle, but uh, he would battle everybody. You know, I feel like he would have to battle everybody. What um, if they put KRS up against like someone newer? I mean, they wouldn't because no, they wouldn't. I maybe almost think I deep. almost think uh, KRS, and obviously maybe not at this time, but uh, a month ago, I might say KRS and Cube. You know, that actually would be dope. That's a great yeah. idea. KRS yeah. and Cube is, is a great idea. Yeah, I would love um, to see that. What I about was, you? Some? No, like, I was yeah. thinking about Talib versus Most Def. <laughs> that be yeah. That be like what would they do? <laughs> <laughs> that well, would be I like mean, a good open. Most would, would, I mean, Talib would get eight. Like, it would, like I don't know. Not, I mean, I what's just, most got? What's most got to go up yeah. against? Get by. We sell crack to our own out the back of our homes. We smell the musk of the dusk and the crack of the dawn. We go through episodes too, like Attack of the Clones. What till we break a back and you hear the crack of the bone again? Yeah, but he, well, he is Miss Fat Booty. And she came with the same type game, the type of girl giving out the fake cell phone the name Big Fang. Yeah, no, no get by. It's no get by, but it's like his. I mean, most has whole albums. Talib has like some records. You know what I mean? Most has whole albums. I mean, I agree. I agree. I, I, I think it'd be interesting. But I heard rumblings of an Outcast versus Tribe. Oof. Well, that's a good segue into our second topic, actually, is yeah. is the topic of groups. And we, mm-hmm. we just, you know, one of the things that we like to do is dig through the annals of, the, of history and, you know, recognize significant milestones and anniversaries. And it was just, what, the, is it the 25th? 25th. An- 25th anniversary of the Far Side second record, Lab Cab in California. And, yeah, so we, we're going to talk about this record. When the record dropped, 25 years ago which then yo no, 95 ouch. ouch right graduated um, high school in 95 fam right i'm a few years out so i'm i'm playing ball overseas actually uh, when this when this we were like comes grown out. dudes when that like, it's not even like i met this girl when i was three years old it's like no, no, no. it's like i was like you know yeah i need to figure out like um my yeah, meal plan yeah. or like <laughs> You know what I mean? Um, what was your impression when this record came so, out? So it's interesting. This isn't a record that has definitely grown on me over years. I think it's a masterpiece, actually. As I've grown, that album has become really like a just a beautiful, balanced, perfect thing, in my opinion. At the time, though, I didn't know how to receive it just because I loved The Far Side's first record, Bizarre Ride to the Far Side. I, to me, they were like kind of a West Coast 
tribe in a way or a de la in a sense kind of the more playful cousins of like hieroglyphics crew you know like passing me by and and just the, that album was so just lively and upbeat and funny and they were silly and i loved it because i was about your that your mama yeah your mama and, and yeah, all that and yeah. i was like a, that represented me because like i loved you know i love kooji rap and polo and you know some of the harder edge stuff but you know I saw myself a little bit in Farside because they were fun-loving guys, you know, who could rap, you know, who really could rap, but like weren't gangsters, you know, and that that was basically me, you know. Um, so this this uh, Lab Cabin is a much more mature sound. I mean, the, the least single drop is definitely kind of felt like the previous Farside, the incredible song drop. Let me freak the funk obsolete is the punk that talk more junk than several sales. I jet propel at a rate to complicate the mental state as I invade the masquerade. They couldn't fade with the clipper Produced by Dilla with the amazing video by Spike Jones. Like that alone was like and that was the single they dropped first. This is like before the album even came out. So drop comes out and running. Running and drop were the two singles. But running kind of represented this a slightly more mature introspective sound, which you know, I definitely was like, this is really fantastic. But I was like, I kind of was already missing some of that more playful far side, which was unfair to them, obviously. Yeah, I think they were just ahead of their time. You know, I, I think because I agree when this came out in 95, I wasn't ready as a listener to digest this record. You know, I was still in the leaders of the new school mind state. Yeah. Like and in some ways, far side reminds me of, mm -hmm. especially on the first record, reminds me of of leaders yeah. um, and because they, they are playful. You're right to bring up Tribe because Q-Tip is the one who introduces Dilla to mm -hmm. the far side. Mm -hmm. um, but this second record, it is a masterpiece. It, to me, it's like a philosophical treatise. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's their wrestling with, yeah. I think, the a, a kind of existentialism and trying to make sense of living and dying and yeah. the days that are numbered. And all throughout the record, you know, I feel like it, they're really, you know, you can't keep running away, the, the running yeah. song. You can't keep running away from yourself, maybe, right. right? From the issues yeah. that, you know, they have a, a moment in time. We go around and around. Life is just a moment in time, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, towards the end is the, you know, follow me into the sun and let your soul be free. Yeah. You know, these are playful records, but they're also incredibly thoughtful. Like Very they, you know, philosophic. Very, very philosophic. I think philosophic is a great word for it. Cause that, that, and that's what it feels. It feels like. It feels almost ethereal, a lot of the beats, you know? Especially running. I mean, that's like... It's got that, like, what is that? Is that a guitar sample? It's like real gentle. Or maybe it's a piano. I'm not sure. But it's that melodic, you know, line that goes through it. But, uh... Man, it's definitely like been fun to revisit this album. 25 years, can't help but return to a time. And in a way, I mean, it was, you know, that's the year I'm about to go off to college, right? And, and it was a huge record when I was in college. And that's when I slowly began to appreciate it more just because everybody was playing it, especially like all the like, you know, white boys with dreadlocks and stuff like that. And like, you know, the rave kids. It was big with yeah, white the, boys the, with dreadlocks. Yeah, and the rave, and like the raver kids and like the alternative music heads, like it crossed over a lot. And I remember I saw Farside in concert in Chicago at, at um, Metro. Shout out to Metro. 
I saw them there and, and they were doing that that tour and uh you know, so it, it definitely grew on me over time. Now now on that tour yeah. was was Fat Lip a part of that tour because this is also, you know, one of the things that I think is significant about the far side is that they were a group and you know, we look at the landscape of the culture now and it's very difficult to have a group. I think I think mm-hmm. in some ways, you know, hip hop has you know fallen you know into a kind of you know capitalist egoism where it's just you know you put yourself before a community mm-hmm. in some ways, and it's not hip hop's doing. I mean, this is the, every you know we're all of us yeah. are kind of you know plagued by this. But yeah. but right after this album came out. This is when Fat Lip went solo, and it, mm-hmm. it reminds me a little of Tip going solo, right? Yeah. It reminds me of like any time you have success as a crew, Lauren Hill going solo. You know, it's like people are then whispering in your, in your ear, like, "Yo, you're the star. You're yeah. the star. Yeah. You're the star. Forget about the group. Forget about the we. Think about you. Think about me." You know, and yeah. and yeah. So I don't even know if Fat Lip was was on. He, that I don't stage. remember if he was on that stage or not, but I do know that. You know, as you're talking about that, it reminded me of something I think is really important about the year this album came out. And one of Fat Lip's frustrations with being in the group was that at the, this is 95, right? So, you know, Biggie, this is like the brewing East Coast, West Coast beef. This is like Tupac is about to come out of prison and start just taking over. You know, the, the sound was getting more increasingly gangster. Like you had gangster rap, right, out of the West Coast. But then there was a growing East Coast sort of more aggressive gangster sound that was also becoming more prominent. And then in the midst of that, you've got these guys with this philosophic album, right? We saw what happened with PM Don, right? Like the last brother to come and, and yes, have, but this is this is not PM Don. No, no, no. But I just, yeah. but I just, yeah, yeah. Like to say, yeah. I just mean like a group that's interested in philosophic conversation yeah. and existential spirituality too. And like spirituality, really, I mean, right? yeah, yeah. Um, and so I know that Fat Lip was uncomfortable. Like he wanted to be more known as like an MC, MC, and he was the guy. Like he was the like, oh yeah. Yeah. The sort of more lyrical, miracle, spiritual, rapidy rap guy in the group, and he was, and he was like the Busta Rhymes or the yes. um, Method Man of the crew, right? He was the one with, you know, my dear, my dear, my dear, you do not know me, but I know you very well, and let me tell you about the feelings I have for you when I try. My dear, my dear, my dear, you do not know me, but I know you very well, and let me tell you about the feelings I've been for you when I try or make some sort of attempt. I simp. Like he's that dude, like yeah. you know, so. You know, I've heard him speak on this, and that's why he ended up leaving, just because it was, you know, our true artistic differences. And, you know, and to be fair, it's like some of us, myself included at the time, wanted a different kind of far side. And I think he was like the guy who was like hearing that, you know. And then I also think, too, man, a Wu-Tang, like when RZA started, when they did Eight Diagram, like RZA wanted to move away from the same sound that they had been doing. And like, I know Raekwon and some of the other members of the crew were like, what are you doing? Like, you know what I mean? Like we're Wu-Tang, we, we kick ass, we whoop people's asses, you know? And so to your point, yeah, that becomes a thing in terms of evolution. Like, you know, when you get trapped in amber, you know, it's like Riz's point is like, we're not those guys from Staten Island. We're all like grown as hell. Some of us have actually right. grandkids. Like, why are we still beating people up? Like, you know? Right. Yeah, I think because I agree. I think like when I was, you know, 20, I was 20 and 95. I just wasn't ready to receive the record. Now, you know, 25 years later, it's it's almost in, in, in Judaism they, that you can't study Kabbalah, the, the mystical tradition until you're 40 because you're just mm. not ready as a young yeah, person. Exactly. And I feel that way about this record. Like, exactly. You know, I think this is a record to to study 
you know, now, like, yeah. you know, and to like elevate a kind of spiritual self, you know, in some oh, yeah. ways. And, and I was not on that necessarily when I was 20. And yeah. even then they were telling us, you got to get up off of that BS. Well, yeah, you gotta right, stop fighting right. that feeling, you know. For real. You got to get on up off of that BS. Stop fighting that feeling. Let me entertain you and interface you with the new sound. Sound is the and you know, and I will say this in terms of what we're doing now with the whole breakbeat poets movement, that song something that means something should definitely be like yeah, yeah, the like anthem. The of, yeah. yeah, that should be on the mixtape for sure. Now time is just a phase, the life is just a riddle. Like if you build a Twinkie, there's a man in the middle with the Well, shout out to Farside, shout out Lab Cab in California. I, I love this album so much, and it was great to revisit it. And uh, what a gift, man. Just like what a gift that Dilla, Diamond D, you know, gave us, man. Like this is just a, I think it's Dilla's best work, actually, personally. No, I, I think so too. controversial. Yeah, but I, th- I think, I mean, he, he did so much on this record and, and you know, when you do listen to this record, listen to the deluxe version because that also has the instrumentals so you get mm-hmm. like the reprise at the end and just go mm-hmm. back and you really hear like how gifted, how much like a conductor Dilla created beats. I mean, he was, you know, symphonic in that sense, like layers and layers and layers and layers to, to his beat. And, and of course, Diamond D is, is one of the illest as well. Yes, indeed. All right, y'all. This is the same old new school. I am Idris Goodman. And I'm Kevin Koval. This is what we do every week. Shout out our hosts at Vocalo Radio. And of course, shout out super producer Justin Mayer, who uh, makes us sound smooth and official. Speaking of smooth and official, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, this year 2020 and how amazing it's been for music, for hip hop. And there is someone who we just cannot shy away from just pops up repeatedly because this person has just been kind of running 2020 and is kind of unavoidable. And it's one of the two. We definitely talk about Black Thought a lot, but then we definitely always come back to our friend Megan the Stallion. They need a collab record. That's yeah, so that's th- one. Yo, that's what, that, what call we it Black from. Stallion. Call it Black Stallion. I mean, here you go. <laughs> My question, man, is like, who is this record for? You know, this the good news, Megan the Stallion. Who is this record for? And I think it is interesting talking about it after we talked about Lab Cab in California yeah. because it's <laughs> you couldn't have a, a, a more yes, more diametrically uh, it, posted posed record. Yeah, um, but yeah, well, there are some bops on this record. It is yeah. it is a shame that this record came out in this time because I mean one you can't see it in the club in the way I think this record no. is meant to be played. Exactly, um, that's right. And I want to be inside of a place with booming speakers and have the song Body drop and just like see the dance floor go wild. I have mainly three takeaways. I mean, listen, I always contend that, you know, there are some albums that I'm just too old for. (laughs) Um, uh, And this is one of them. But aside from that, I will say this, my three biggest takeaways. One is the album opens with a song called Shots Fired, which flips the notorious B.I.G. Who Shot Ya sample. Who shot ya? Separate the weak from the ops. Leap hard to creep them Brooklyn streets. And it's a diss record. It's basically Megan Thee Stallion just addressing the controversy, the stuff with Tory Lanez and the shooting and all that. And she, like, pulls no punches. So that was distinctive to me. And then, but then just to dig into that a little more, it's like, 
there's something about her that she just strikes me as a student of of hip hop for like for real and that's you samples you get that's what i'm saying alone. yeah yo i can't remember what song it is but i feel like there's a, a like a little sound from naughty by nature's opp mm. Mm. that i hear just it's like a little sound it's like the ding, and i know it's i feel like i'm hearing it on this other record i gotta remember which song it is it's like these little easter eggs that remind because right. she's 25 years old yeah justin says the song uh go crazy samples it does. OPP. It's, yeah, it's just no, that. OPP. How can I explain it? I take it frame by frame. It to have y'all on jumping shows. I'm about to go crazy, 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 crazy. I'm about to go crazy, 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 crazy. Yeah, well, she's done that before with the with the boys in the hood. Boys in the hood. Yeah. Yes, that's right. So this is this is what she does. That's the Megan Thee Stallion that I'm interested in. Is like this rapper, this lyricist, this this because she raps like somebody who's got some stuff to say. Like this is not. She does not have a ghostwriter to my to my knowledge. No, no, no. She's writing. She she is known for her bars, and like I like that Megan Thee Stallion who just has stuff to spit. The second big takeaway for me is uh, this song called Outside. Which to me is like, is like the Ars Poetica, you know, uh, which is like, I know other people have said this, but I'm like, you know, people use this term sex positive all the time. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like in this song outside, you know, she basically like is really just kind of breaking down her, her perspective, her aesthetic, you know what I mean? Like. You know, just really saying this is who I am, this is how I get down, this is my philosophy. You know, I'm, you know, and, and in that way, she's sort of in that tradition of like Madonna or, you know, just these very like, you know, unapologetic, you know, disrupting sort of ideas about um, yeah. femininity. Feminine. Yeah. Yeah. So this that is, this Megan is Stallion her. is interesting. That is, that is, I think, how and why Megan, I think, has so many diehard fans like I, I think it, in part because she is disrupting that notion of femininity she is you know and we've talked about it before i mean i, I read megan you know via audrey lord's essay on the erotic right and so it is about kind of a maintenance of power it is about setting a new precedent and you see that throughout this record i think that's the strength of this record there are two things i would love to see from her more and i hope we get this on a future record one at the end of a whole album it does feel almost a little like one note yeah where you know we don't understand more of her day we don't understand more (laughs) of her biography you know it's 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 a lot of conquest um and it's a lot of uh, braggadocio which is great you know and I, i mean we you know part of the reason why we come to the form is for these things but then you know, throughout however many minutes this record is, I also kind of want more, like not Megan the Stallion, but also Megan Pete. You know what I mean? That's like, what I'm, that, yeah, that's that's to your point. Who is this record? Like, it, there's a little bit of a war going on there, right? Because I know there's depth. I know there's depth. Oh, because you see her layers on Saturday Night Live when she yeah. well, behind her puts protect black women. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see, you see the layers on this record. I just, I want her as a writer to explore more terrain. My note of caution is the end of this record feels very pop. Mm-hmm. Um, and not the kind of pop that I think is speaking to her fan base. You know, the, the song in particular that don't rock me to sleep. Just come get all your stuff. 
guess my love ain't good enough. That beat feels like it was made on a Casio keyboard, and it's almost, I feel like, what they've done to so many artists before her, where there's so much money, there's so many voices in a room, and you just are pushing people to go in a particular direction, which is not how she got to be her, which is not how she got to be popular. And so my my note of, of caution and my, my fear in some ways is that, you know, and I don't think this will happen. You know, I hope she goes into the narrative of Megan Pete and not into the, you know, Katy Perry yeah, land exactly. of pop stardom, you know, exactly. that, that, you know which is, which is what, what we've seen Nicki that's Minaj do and others. I was just others. about to say that. Yeah. They ruined, they ruined Nicki Minaj because it was, it was too much. It was too much glam bam. And they do yeah. that, you know, especially with female artists because there's such a, a desire to dress them up. There's such right. a desire to Barbieize them, right? Yes. There's such a desire to sort of like, you know, just make all the metaphors and the realities, you know, in the, in the fantasies and just, you know, it, it turned them into supermodels or, you know what I mean? And, and she's a writer and she's got something to say and it is sassy and it is wild and it is over the top. But like, yeah, Megan Pete is enough. Megan right. Pete is enough. You know, right, I mean? right. I hope on the next record or sometime in the near future, we get more. If she could win by really telling us about Houston because she reps Houston but now I want to hear about Houston very specifically. You know? Yo, this is, so this is the chorus of the song Outside, which I love. I ain't for the streets, because I am the street. I ain't on these N-words. All these N-words be on me. And I'm going to be outside till I don't want to be. <laughs> and I'm going to show this sad, because it's what they want to see. I ain't, I ain't for the streets, because I am the street. I just, but I just love that. I ain't for the streets. Yeah. I am yeah. the streets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that is, I love that. I yeah. love that. No, I do too. Such and and you're right. It is an Ars Poetica. And I, I hope for people who are fans and I consider us to be fans, I think we are desirous of more of those narratives too. Yeah. You know, just fact. the expansion, the expansion of who she is. Oh, real quick. This was the third thing too. I totally hear some Bum B in her flow too. Oh, yeah. They run, it's that same Houston, like riding around, but like, but there's a writer there, but it's like, yes. it never, we never sort of lose that flow. But just the, just the way that she like puts the affectations on certain like ends of words and stuff. I'm like, oh, this is, yeah. yeah Make, so, she makes words rhyme that don't rhyme. Right. Yeah, I mean, see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, listen, man, it is always a pleasure. This is the same old new school. I am uh, Idris Goodwin. And I'm Kevin Koval. And we are here every week for your listening pleasure, talking about the week in hip hop. There's so much to get into. I uh, hope you all are safe and well. Shout out Vocalo. Shout out Super Producer Justin Mayer. Shout out yourself. Peace. <laughs>